just going to read about the first ten verses here uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. You pray for us. You pray that God will help us come by and touch us today. And uh, I just want God to help you and help me. Amen. And I want this message to be a blessing. 2 Corinthians 7. Let's begin to read in verse 1. And the Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, uh, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die and live with you. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. When he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoiced the more. For though I, had made, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you saw it to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. You can be seated this morning. As we look in this chapter, we'd have to go back to chapter 6 for just a minute to understand verse 1. When he talks about having these promises, uh, dearly beloved, what promises is he referring to? I think as uh, we go back to the prior chapter, you start in about verse 14 uh, and come through verse 18 of chapter 6. And you find he he begins to talk about be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, uh, He he talks about being separated. Uh, As a matter of fact, you come down to verse 17 uh, or actually in verse 16. He said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's talking about uh, being separated out of this world. Verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And those are the promises that I really believe that the Apostle Paul is making reference to in chapter 7 when he said, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, what does he say to do? Uh, He says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit and perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know what he's saying? If we've got these promises uh, uh, right here that if we'll separate ourselves out of the world uh, uh, and that God would uh, be our Father and we'll be His sons and daughters. Uh, uh, he said, if those are the promise, then let us cleanse ourselves. Uh, if you notice right here, boy, ain't that exciting today. Uh, listen, separation, uh, uh, it seems like in the day that we're living, just let me park right here. I remember my pastor used to say this, if preacher wants to get in trouble, uh, uh, then preach on separation. Uh, and I'll just be honest with you today, that's a lot of believers' problems is they don't want to be separated uh, uh, out of this world. 
Uh, you know, he said, let us cleanse ourselves. That's our job. When he says, let us cleanse ourselves. A lot of times we want God to do something for us uh, uh, that we're not even willing to try and that to do ourselves. Not to separate ourselves from people. Not to separate ourselves from places. Not to separate ourselves from things that are no good for us. And he says, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Uh, uh, what drives us uh, and this flesh that we're living in, he says, you need to get away from the things that make you dirty. He says, you need to get into the things that will Make you clean before God. And he says perfecting holiness uh, uh, in the fear of God. And so we need to do that. If we want to be, uh, listen, pleasing unto the Lord uh, and be as a Christian should be, then we've got to separate ourselves out of this world. Amen. And so we find right here, am I doing okay so far? All right, all right, just making sure. Uh, then he comes on down and uh, he, he, he talks about how he had not wronged them. Uh, he had done no wrong to them. He corrupted no man. Uh, uh, and, and as a matter of fact, he said, look, uh, uh, he said, you're in our hearts uh, uh, to die and live with you. That's how much he loved the church at Corinth. As much trouble as he had out of them, as much trouble as they had. Uh, uh, I mean, boy, you're talking about a carnal church uh, and one that just had to deal. They had their problems. I mean, if there was ever a church that had problems, it was a church at Corinth. But you ought to go over there and read sometime, uh, uh, and you'll find out that in all their trouble uh, uh, and in all the mess that they had, they still got some things done. I mean, you go over there, man, they didn't even have the Lord's Supper right. Uh, they didn't know about giving right. Uh, they were all spiritually immature. Uh, but as they grew in the Lord Jesus, uh, they were getting some things done. And I look at a lot of churches today and even though they got their problems and we've got our problems, you say, we got problems? Oh, sure we got problems. Uh, you're here, ain't you? Amen. Listen, we're all a problem. And a lot of times we're just a problem to ourselves. And I, I go look in the mirror a lot of times and I say, you're the problem. I am the problem. I'm my worst problem. Yeah, i got to fight the devil. I'm going to do that here in a minute. But listen, I'm my worst problem a lot of times. Well, let me move on right here. Paul said, I'm with you to live and die with you. And he said not only that, he loved them so much that he wanted to help them. And because of them, and he talks about having great boldness of speech toward them. But he said, great is my glorying of you. And he said, I'm filled with comfort because of you. And he said, because of you, I'm joyful in all the tribulation that we go through. And he talks about the tribulation in verse 5. Because when we were coming to Macedonia, he talks about without were fightings and within were fears. And we come on down through here and he talks about how that he wrote to him in that first epistle. Uh, how that he, he said, uh, Titus told me that I made you sorry, but you sorry to repentance. And that's a good place to get sometimes. It's the sorrow to Repentance is to get right with God. I mean, you understand how what repentance is. I mean, it's more than just being sorry, but I don't think you can have repentance without sorrow. Uh, I mean, but, but listen, it goes more than sorrowful uh, and being more than sorry. I mean, you've got to turn from the direction you're headed uh, and turn toward God. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's the thing about getting saved. You know, Jesus told him over there, was it in the book of Luke chapter 13? Uh, uh, he said, except you repent, uh, you shall all likewise perish. Uh, uh, it was more than being sorrowful. Uh, he wanted them to be sorrowful for the shape they were in and what they'd done, but yet turn from it and turn unto him. 
Jonah chapter 3, you'll find out what did the Ninevites do? They repented, didn't they? They repented. You know what our nation needs to do? Repent. I just need to stop in the direction that they're going. I be sorry for the situation they're in and turn toward God and live for Him. I, and I believe He'd smile on us. The Bible said in Isaiah 55, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his taunts and let him return to the Lord and He will have mercy upon him and to our God for He will abundantly pardon. I believe that would work today. I believe if men and women would look to God, repent of their sin, and turn to Jesus Christ, I believe He would pardon them of their sin. That's what happened to me. Amen. I come to a place where I needed to get saved. I, I trusted Christ. I asked Him to save me. And listen, I'm going to be honest. I got to think about this while I was studying this message. I, I didn't know much about the doctrine of justification. I didn't know much about the doctrine of faith. I, 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 didn't, know, I didn't know much about the doctrine of repentance. I, but I knew I was lost and I needed to get saved. And I knew that if I come to Him, He'd save me. We make th- I'm going to say this again. As Baptists, we make things too hard sometimes. For people to get saved. We make it too hard. You say you believe in easy believism. I don't believe in easy believism that you pray a prayer after me and God will save you. But I do believe it's easy to get saved. I do believe that. I believe it's with the heart man calls unto God. But I want to look at this. What Paul talked about in verses 5 through 7. When he talked about being in Macedonia. How his flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side. Everywhere, I don't believe that Paul was using hyperbole and that he was just making it up and writing a story to make it sound worse. I believe everywhere Paul turned, I believe there was trouble. I believe everywhere he looked, uh, he was facing problems. Uh, he was facing aggravation. He was facing an enemy that was against him. Uh, uh, everywhere he looked, he said, we come to Macedonia. Our flesh had no rest. I couldn't even lay down and rest. Uh, uh, he said, but we were troubled on every side. He said, without were fightings. Uh, he said, I was constantly having to fight. Uh, I was having to fight the enemy, having to fight Satan, uh, having to fight the one that was trying to destroy me. And then he said this, within were fears. I was outside. I was fighting with my flesh, but on the inside, I was fearful. You ever been fearful on the inside? Wondering how the thing was going to turn out? Wondering how it's going to, uh, how's this thing going to come to an end? Uh, when's it going to come to an end? Uh, when we do get to the end, how's it going to look when we get there? Now some of y'all ain't never been there. Bless your heart and thank God for it. Uh, you live long enough and you serve Christ long enough and this world rocks on long enough. You will eventually get there in life. He's talking about in His service for the Lord. You realize that, don't you? I mean, He's just not talking about in life in general. And I do know life in general just brings us fightings and fears. It does. Because we really don't know. We get that bad news and we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what's going to happen. But here I believe He's talking about in His ministry. He's talking about how that we were fighting. But I was fearful on the inside. But then He said this, Nevertheless, God. Boy, thank God for that. Uh, what, what do you mean, thank God for that? Ain't you glad that when you're in a place uh, where you're having a fight, but yet you're scared to death, uh, uh, that God comes by? Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. And he said, what God done was sent me some help. God proved himself to be faithful. If I, if I could preach for just a little bit... For just a minute or two, I want to preach having that thought 
of when God proves Himself. Now the word prove means to be found true or correct by result. Uh, it means to make certain I, or to show something. Uh, in other words, we try something, we, we prove it to be true. Uh, if I want to prove that chair, uh, that it's going to hold me up, there's only one way to figure that out. Uh, that's to put Zachary up here and let him sit in it. If I'm unsure of it. Amen. That's what you do. You put somebody else up there. Uh, you want to go on visitation and know if that dog's going to bite you? That's why the Lord called deacons. Amen. Uh, that's it. Right there. You let them go fight the, de- uh, the devil and the dogs for you. Amen. you got to try it. Uh, you got to try it. The only way you'll ever find out uh, is to prove God is to try Him. The only way to find Him to be true uh, uh, is just to try. You know what was it the Bible said? Oh, taste and see uh, uh, that the Lord, uh, He is good. That's the only way you're going to have to taste and see. Three things I want to look at this morning. Number one, can I say that God uh, has proved His love for us? Uh, Let let me say, uh, I want you to understand Romans 5 and 8, uh, I said, but God commended His love uh, uh, toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, ain't you glad Lord Jesus loves you? Ain't you glad today that He loved you enough? How do you know that God loves you? And how do you know, preacher, that Jesus loves you? Because of Calvary. That first song we sung at Calvary. Hey, listen, I'm glad today because of Calvary. I know there was that doctrine that went around in the 90s that said that God don't love sinners. I never bought into that. I never thought that was right. I know. Hey, listen, I understand that His love for sinners is showed at Calvary. I understand all that. But I want you to understand something this morning. It's still there today. Amen. His love for sinners... It's still there. How about our love for sinners? When's the last time we ever told about what Jesus done? Do you realize that that's what it takes to get sinners saved? Do you realize that this morning that it takes uh, uh, telling them about the Lord Jesus Christ? Uh, Ephesians 2 said, uh, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us even when we were dead in sins uh, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. Uh, you're saved. Amen. <coughs> I'm thankful because of Calvary. One of the first verses we ever learned in Sunday school, if not the first one was, what was it? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, you believe and trust in Christ Jesus, the Lord, He will save you. And that's what He done for you if you're saved this morning. He proved His love for us at Calvary. Well, thank God for the old rugged cross this morning. That's where love got put on display at. That's hard to fathom, ain't it? I mean, that, that, that a place that just seemed as wicked and as vile uh, as Calvary was, a place that was called uh, the place of the skull, uh, uh, it's hard to believe and it's hard to imagine uh, uh, that that is where love uh, was shown at. But it was. Little John said in this, was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only son, begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. That we love that that not not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus Christ loved us enough to come. God the Father loved us enough to send Him, and He came. He proved His love for you. People say God can't love me. Oh yeah, He can, and He has loved you. 
loved you at Calvary, still loves you at Calvary this morning. Ain't that something? No matter how vile the sinner is, no matter how wicked uh, the sinner is, he, he loves sinner. Listen, when Christ, who did Jesus Christ spend most of his time with? He did not sin with sinners, but he spent time with them. He loved them enough to go around them and tell them what he could do for them. I, I, I think, and, and I've said this before, and I don't know who, I didn't come up with it. I've heard somebody say it, and it works pretty good. We, we have become more of keepers of aquariums than we have fishers of men. That's, that's what we've done. Uh, and I know my job, to, I understand my job in pastoring uh, is to protect this church and to feed you and to guide you and to stay as close to God as I possibly can. But listen today, friend, we're to go out and tell folk about the gospel. We're not to... Listen, we can tell them what's going on down at the church. We can tell them that and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, and, I, and I get that. I, I do. Uh, what, what was it Paul said though? He said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but in us which are saved, it is the power of God. It is what saves. There's power uh, in the gospel. Uh, there's power that will save sinners. For I'm not ashamed in the book of Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, you preach the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, you live that in your life. Uh, it'll make a difference in people. It'll make a difference in them. But he proved his love for us at Calvary. Well, what greater love hath no man than this, than that a man would lay down his life for his friends. Is that not what he done for us so that we could be saved and called us friends? Ain't that something? Called us friends. Can I tell you, church, he's still proving his love for me and you today. Do you not think Christ Jesus the Lord loves you? Do you not think that? Can I ask you, mom and dad, something and grandparents something? Don't you love your children and grandchildren? Don't you love them? And can I tell you something this morning? God the Father's got so much more invested in me and you than what any of you's ever invested in your children. And I know you love your children. I know you'd give all for your children. Fight a circle saw for them. I understand that. And I get that. I, I, friend, and you should do that. But, but, but God I invested so much more in me and you. Don't you think he loves us today? He said in little John, 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called what? The sons of God. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. He said, Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Listen, if the world, if the world, uh, if, if you're paddling around with the world and the world understands you and you understand the world, there's something wrong. Amen. We go back that you were to be severed. The text verse says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, uh, uh, let us cleanse ourselves from all fullness of the flesh and spirit and let us what? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You shouldn't understand them and they shouldn't understand us because there's something different about us. There's something different about us. There should be something different about you. Do you radiate? Hey, listen, I don't lie. Uh, let, let, me, let me stop for just saying I was, I, I was almost about to lie right there. Uh, I, I do like sometimes to be different just for being different. I do. I, I, I like being different. But you know, it, we shouldn't be different for the sake of being different. We ought to be different because Christ Jesus the Lord made us different. 
And I mean, we ought to just radiate a difference. When we get around folk, they ought to be able to see something different in us. Hearing His love, not that we love God, but He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ain't that something that He loved us enough and sent His Son? But then He comes on down here uh, and says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. You know what? He loves us enough uh, to come and get us one day. He loves us enough to help us be different. He loves us enough uh, and that to uh, uh, come and get us. He loves us enough to bless us. Has the Lord not blessed you? Amen. If, if, I, if, I, if, I, if we had time, we could park right here and just take testifying uh, and everybody ought to have something good to say about God. Every one of us in here should. Even if you're unsaved, you ought to have something good to say about God that He gave you a good day to come in here and get saved. Amen. You're breathing His air. His blessings is beyond my comprehension sometimes. His correction. It's in His, in his correction that He shows His love toward us. Hebrews 12 said, For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth. Revelation 3, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. I'm talking about Him proving His love to you. He proves it in His blessings. He proves it in the fact that, and I'm going to get here in a minute, that He's real to you. But He proves it in the fact that when you get wrong, He'll correct you. Take your Bible and go to Hebrews 12. I know I preached on this sometime back. But I want you to go over there because we need to look at some of this. Hebrews 12 just like you moms and dads, uh, if, you, if, you, if you tell me you love your children, you'll correct them. Uh, you, you'll punish them when they need punishment because you want them to do right. Uh, and that's what God wants. He's just not going to let us go on in our sin in the direction that we're headed into something that's going to destroy us. I mean, you don't correct your children just for the fun of it. You correct them because they're messing up and they're headed in the wrong direction. I mean, that's the whole idea. That's the whole idea of God's correction for our life is to get us straightened up and headed in the right direction. Amen. Look in Hebrews 12. Let's look in verse 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, uh, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now, let me park right here. What love did he have toward us? What little John tell us over here? Behold, what, what was it in, uh, in, in uh, uh, chapter 3? Behold, what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us? We should be what? Called the sons of God. Made part of the family of God. That's his love toward us. But notice right here, because we are sons, because you are a daughter, you are part of the family of God, because He loves you, then, then He will chasten you. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is He whom the Father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, you got that, don't you? I've got that underlined in my Bible. Whereof all are partakers. My pastor used to say, all means all. All means all. 
If you're part of the family of God, you cannot and will not escape the chastening hand of God. Whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons. You're illegitimate. You're not part of the family of God. You can come in here and be part of this church and join, we can baptize you, and we can put your name on the roll, but until you come to know Him, then you're not part of the family of God. And let me say this, if you know that you can go out there and get away with sin, what we know is sin, I mean, the Bible's very plain, and you come around here, we're going to preach on it, Brother Jeff's going to teach on it, these Sunday school teachers are going to teach on it, evangelists are going to preach on it, and you're going to know what sin is, but if you walk out of here and it not bother you, there's something wrong in your soul today. When I get around things that I'm not supposed to be around, it bothers me. Not because of what I'm afraid somebody else is going to say or what somebody else might see, but I already know God sees it. It bothers me when I get around people that talk wrong. It just it bothers me. But he proves his love to us. You know, it's easy for me to talk about him proving his love to us in his blessings. Because that's easy for you to do for your children. You give them things because you love them. You see to them because you love them. But boy, that correction. You think God enjoys correcting you and me. I don't think He does. I don't think He does at all. But I think He does it because He loves us. He proves His love to us. Number two. Number two, he proved. Now, you remember, you remember what, what, what proof means to be found true or correct by the result. Remember that. To be proved true or correct by the result. What happens? Let me say this. If you can get away with sin, the Word of God is still right. What do you mean? If you be without chastisement, where have all are partakers? Then are you bastards and not sons? The Word of God's right. Number two, he proves his realness. To us, what do you mean? Do, do, have, have you not? You know, uh, have have you not had God just show up in your life? Sometimes not even expecting Him to show up, and there He is. Have you ever had Him just come by and squeeze on your heart and just talk to you? Now, preacher, you're getting crazy. No, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've had him do that over the years. He don't do it every day. I wish he would. I kind of miss it sometimes when he don't, you know. But I've had him come by and squeeze on my heart and and he shows up in very mysterious ways when we're not expecting him to, when we're not looking for him to. As I studied this, I thought about about Gideon and his 32,000 that got whittled all the way down to 300. Were you talking about God showing up in a... Great way. Boy, you're talking about Gideon proving God. I mean, he's, he, he's taking 300 men uh, and, and, some, uh, and some lights uh, and, and some trumpets and got a sword on their side. Uh, and I mean, they're out there and they're going to defeat the enemy that's laying out through there uh, that can't even be counted. And you're going to tell me God didn't have something to do with that? Let me ask you this. He shows up in mysterious ways, but has he ever answered your prayer? We go back to Gideon and what did Gideon ask the Lord to do? He said, he said Lord, if you really want me to go down there and fight the enemy, he, he said, then, I'm, I'm, and boy, he was trying the Lord. He was trying to what? Prove him, wasn't he? 
Can I make this statement again, what I've said about Gideon? There's, there, there's a great difference between Gideon and Jonah. Gideon was wanting to make sure of God's will. About all the time he was trying to make sure of God's will, he was headed in the direction that God wanted him to go. Jonah, on the other hand, knew God's will and was running as fast as he could from it. So we got Gideon over here, and he's asking God, Now, Lord, do you really want me to do this? So he takes that fleece and he sets it out. And he says, uh, let, let the dry be ground. Let the dry, let the ground be dry. I'm getting worse at that in my older age. Amen. Tell you I am. Let the ground be dry, but yet the fleece wet. And in another time, he said, Let the fleece be dry and the ground wet. And you know what? He he was he was trying to do what he was trying to prove God, wasn't he? He wanted God to answer his prayers. And you know what God done both of those times? God answered his prayer to put him in the right direction. Has God ever done that for you? Has God ever answered your prayer? You have a personal relationship with him and you pray to him out of your heart. See, here's the thing. I don't think the devil can hear my heart. Nowhere in the Bible have I found that. Where Satan can uh, hear my heart. Uh, but I do know this, that there's a God in heaven that can hear my heart. And so I, it's, it's them things that, that our mind plays tricks on us sometimes. And, uh, and the devil will jump up on your shoulder and he'll whisper to you and say, God didn't really do that. That just happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a very, I, I don't believe in, in, in I, I just don't really believe in coincidences a lot of times. I can tell you this. I, I don't believe this was a coincidence. I remember years ago, and I've, I've told you all this story, but for y'all that don't know it, I'll, I'll tell it to you, and everybody else can just remember it. How's that? Uh, I, I, I remember we, when Brother Ricker was pastoring in West Virginia, uh, and, and this church had decided to send him some money. And, and uh, because, I, I mean, he was up there treating it as a mission work. And so we were going to send him some money up there. And, and I happened to pull into the gas station out here at Athens. Uh, and, and, and I pulled around and I parked. And I, at one, I was at a gas station. I didn't go to a whole lot. And I was certainly parked in a place where I never parked. Uh, and I started pumping gas. And I looked over there next to me. And guess who was standing over there? Brother Ricker. I said, well, brother, what are you doing? Down he said, well, we come down for camp meeting down here at our home church. And uh, he, he said, just, uh, just glad to be here back home. You know, I said, hey, I'm glad to see you. Our church is going to, I had decided to give you some money and we were going to mail it. But I said, I've got it right here with me. I'll just give it to you. So I went over there, parked my truck somewhere else, wrote him the check. I had to check in my back pocket. Wrote out the check and gave it to him and, and went on his way. And, and in itself, that would have been great. But he shared with me probably about a month later. He said, Preacher, what you didn't understand is we had come down here with no money. He said, we had no money at all. Now you tell me God wasn't doing something right there. You tell me God hadn't uh, worked in all that right there. Uh, to orchestrate things, uh, uh, to get it there, uh, out of where we can give them. Now he said, uh, it was getting tired. He said, we hadn't told our children yet, but he said, we were fixing to. Well, God knows what you need when you need it and how you need it. I've told you a lot about our, my answered prayers in my life. But don't you have some? Don't you have some answered prayers? Don't you have some times when God's come by 
and just helped you. I'm not kidding. I am literally not kidding about this, okay? And it's not something that I fabricate. You know, a lot of times preachers, they, 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 they add the stories to make it sound better sometimes. But this is honestly what happened. I remember when Kelly was sick and they were putting her in the hospital. And, and man, we, we were worried. I mean, I was worried. I was worried. So I'm going to be honest with you, church. She's, a, she, she's it to me. She's it, man. I mean, that's, 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 that's the end of it. I mean, she's it. I, I'm all about Miss Latham over here. And I, I remember we were having to call the ambulance to come and get her. And, and I'd seen her help deteriorate for two or three days in a row and it went from uh, not so good to a lot worse in just two or three days. And, and, and I remember to start praying and boy, I was wanting to worry. I was trying to worry. And the more I tried to worry, the more God say it's just going to be okay. And, 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 and I know I've told y'all, a lot of y'all this, and I know I've preached on it, but, but in the front of my mind, it, it, it's like it's going to be okay. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, Lord, is this really you? Is this really you telling me this stuff? And over and over and over again, it's just like it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. And I, I, and, and I can't explain that. If I could, I'd bottle it and sell it. But I can't explain all that. But I do know that God proved Himself through all that. What brought this all about, this whole message, was a conversation I had the other day about the nursing home. Some, one of you just asked me how things was going at the nursing home and said things is going good. And... I shared with this person about how I got to the nursing home. That in itself is amazing. We, we had took these, I mean, man, this has been 12, 15 years ago. We took these kids that are grown now, and we took them over to the nursing home and, and had Christmas with them over there, had a Christmas program where Sister Margie works at. And, and so we went over and had a Christmas program, and uh, had a good time over there and met folk and left and really never thought nothing else about the nursing home. And I was going to eat lunch with my wife one day who works over that way. And I had to go by the way I'd come in. I went by the nursing home. And, and, and again, you, you choose to believe me or not, this is how it happened. As I drove by that nursing home, God spoke to my heart. And this is no joke. He said, you need to go in there and visit with them folk. And I'm just driving on by. I say, okay, Lord, I'll go visit with them. You know how we are sometimes. Lord says, you need to go do something. We'll say, okay. Well, about two days later, I get a phone call from Miss Nyla, who runs the activities over there. And uh, she said, Preacher Latham. I said, yeah. And she introduced herself. And she said, what we're needing uh, is a chaplain over here that can just come and visit with folks. No, that's, that's what she said. I wasn't going to preach. I wasn't going to sing like I do now. At that time, what was putting my foot in the door was the very fact of just going to go visit with folk. You think you could come over here once a week and block out some time and come and visit with these people? I said, I tell you what, Miss Nyla. I said, I'm going to pray about it, but I probably don't have to. I said, I probably really don't have to pray about this, but I'll let you know in a couple of days. 
And so about a day or two went by and I called her back and I said, I'd be happy to do it. And I've been there ever, well, they kicked me out for COVID, but other than that, you know. I'm just telling you, sometimes God proves himself. But then we ask that question, why is it not always that way? You ever think about that? Why is it that it's, it's not always that way? Boy, I'd love for it to always be that way. Because you know what we got to do? You know what He does for us? Is, is, is He lets us have those times that I talked about, what He done for me at the nursing home and what He done when Miss Latham was sick and all those things. Uh, he, he lets me remember that. So in those times when He's not really going to show up like that, I still trust Him. Because see, that's what He's wanting us to do at the end of the day is trust Him. He's wanting us to put our faith in Him and trust Him. He's proved Himself in mysterious ways and in great ways and in answered prayers and in callings that uh, he, he sends men to do and uh, in, in jobs for Him. I, uh, that, that Listen, I, I'm a firm believer that, that just like I have the message for the hour, I believe these Sunday school teachers have got the lesson for the hour to know who's going to be here and not. God knows who's going to be here and not. That's why I encourage you Sunday school teachers to pray and seek God. And you say, well, it it ain't going to take me but 15 minutes to teach some of these. That's good. Then you just pray for uh, that 15 minute lesson. My wife asked me the other day, because I say I only preach 10 minutes, you know, over there at the nursing home. We was talking about I needed to go study. And she's asking me about studying for 10 minutes. Worth of preaching. I said, I'm going to labor over it just like I do everything else. I want, I want to, I, to be honest with you, church, I want to have the right words no matter where I'm standing. I want to have the right words. Does that mean I'm going to preach everything I've studied? Brother Ted used to tell me this. It's a son, the problem that we have as preachers is we try to tell them everything we've studied for the week. <laughs> and man, he was right too. But God proves Himself. God proves Himself in giving. Stay with me now. I'm going to finish up in a minute. But God proves Himself in giving. Luke chapter 6, He said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. I don't think you can outgive God. Malachi chapter 3 talks about robbing God of tithes and offerings. He asked them, wherein have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings? You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. Even this whole nation bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now. What? Prove me there. Looky there. And prove me now there herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. 2 Corinthians 9, as he's talking about giving in missions, by the way. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. I'm not going to tell you that me and my wife are rich by no means, because we are not. But the Lord has allowed us to give to missions. 
and has allowed us to give what we're supposed to give to Him. I think God has accomplished that and done that. But we've had a willing heart and wanted to do that. I remember what Brother Ralph taught in the last mission conference we had. By the way, be praying about mission conference, by the way. But, but I remember what he taught and, and, and what a great truth it was that God will give more through you than He will to you. God will allow you to give more out if you just want to. God will do that. He, he, he will prove Himself in that way. Let me say this. He's going to prove Himself to be truthful in His Word. And what I mean by that is this world's going to figure out one day that God was right all along. He's going to prove Himself. Now, when we die, the proof will be there that the Word of God was right. And by the way, I've already seen that the Word of God was right. By, by sitting at, at the bedside of these dear old saints and watch them cross over. That he was there. He was there. God's proved himself. But you know there's coming a day, you're going to see it. Short of the rapture, you're going to see that. I will see that. That we were saved and he's kept us and he's coming for us. Is that not what he said? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Brother Jeff talked about this this morning in the book of Luke chapter 16. The angels come and delivered uh, uh, and that Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. When the rapture comes and we leave, see that it's right. You ever wonder why we're seeing so much on the news about UFOs? But you do not believe in little green men that live on other planets? I do not. I don't. Do I believe in UFOs? That means unidentified flying objects. I do think there's things that take place in the sky that we don't know about. Read the book of Ezekiel over there. Start talking about a wheel and a wheel and all that. Mm -hmm. These things take place that I don't understand. There's things that takes place in the third dimension, if I could say that, in the spiritual realm. You remember, that's, that, that's Elisha's helper there. That boy that was tra- his minister that was traveling with him. You know, God opened his eyes so that he could see, hey, there were some things uh, in the spiritual realm over there going on. Kind of makes you wonder what's going on today. But let me get back to this. Reckon what's going to be the excuse when we leave here and the world's left. Somebody's got to have an excuse for where all these people went. Think about it for just a second. But the world's going to find out that God was right. When they stand before Him, that He's a just and a holy God. And their knees bowing before Him where they have threatened God and they have been mad at God and shook their fist at God and in their heart they've been prideful toward God and said, I'll never bow. They'll bow. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess the Lord Jesus Christ. That's going to happen. He's going to prove that one day. He's going to prove it. And it will be by result. Let's bow our heads this morning. Let's bow our heads. I don't know. Brother Marvin, let's come. Brother Jeff, let's get a verse of invitation. I don't know what you're needing this morning. Maybe you need God to prove Himself to you. There's been a lot of days that I've been there, church, that I've needed God to show up. I've needed Him to be real to me. I've needed Him to prove Himself. I've needed Him to comfort my heart just like He had done in the past. I needed Him to visit me in the nighttime just like David said in Psalm 17 and 3. It was dark and bleak and I needed God to come by and He had yet to show up. But I knew He was real and I knew that uh, what I had experienced before and seen before and proved before was right. But yet God had not showed up. 
And maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you're in that place where you, you need him to whisper sweet peace to your soul like we sung in the choir this morning. You just need God to come by and just comfort your heart and he's not come by. Without his fightings and within his fears, you're fearful today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. If you've never been saved, He proved His love for you at Calvary. And that Heavenly Father proved His love to us to send His only Son so that we could get saved. Listen, He's not fake this morning. He's not a figment of somebody's imagination or my imagination. This stuff that I'm talking about is real. Have you not ever had uh, have you not ever had him prove himself to you? He has to me many times. If he's proved himself to you, uh, listen, today you ought to praise him. You before you say it, you ought to thank or maybe you want to come down here and just thank God, get her up around this altar and thank God for what he's done. Because there's been some tough times that I've seen over the years and Boy, he's proved himself to be real every time.